Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Got any football fans? Anyone watching the World Cup at the moment? Okay, good, good. Uh, anyone watch Australia win last night? Very excited. Uh, winning a game in the World Cup is a massive deal. In fact, Australia. This is only the third game that Australia has won. So, I think we could go all the way. Yeah, ever in a World Cup, uh, I think we could go all the way. And so, we're going to pray right now. No, we're not going to. We're going to take the next 10 minutes just to intercede for Australia. Uh, we're not going to do that, but I hope you're doing well. I, who knows that Christmas is just around the corner? Has everyone got their lists, Christmas lists? There's uh, a saying, it's not from the Bible, it says, faith without hints is dead. So if you have something you want to drop, some not so subtle hints around uh, what that is, and uh, it's, a, it's a great time of year. Let's pray, and then we're going to gather around the Word of God this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you're here in this building. God, we thank you that in this moment that we have a couple of options, and one of them is to just sit quietly, and the other one is to open our hearts to allow your abundant blessing, your abundant provision, to allow the life of God to flow in. And so if that's, if that's you and you want to say, hey, I'm going to sit here anyway, but I'm going to open my heart to what you're doing, just, just do that. Just say, God, I, I open my heart. Would you speak to me? Would you allow your spirit to encourage me and enliven me in this moment? And God, we thank you that your presence is here that your spirit is real, that you are alive, that you are active. And God, we honour you and thank you in this place in the name of Jesus. Well, we've been in the midst of our Revive series. And our Revive series is a series that wants to tap in with what is happening in our the mood of our society, in the mood of our culture but it actually wants to bring an alternative to that. Let me unpack this. Is that right now, the mood of our society, who knows in November, people speed up to slow down. That right now, people, most people are feeling a little bit the effects of the year, a little bit tired. And so the word that I find helpful to describe that is this word, depletion. The word depletion. And I want to give seven signs, seven warning signs of depletion. And I want you to see if maybe you associate with one or or two of those or maybe even more. And these are kind of real life observations. Uh, Some of these are things that I've kind of crafted from my own recognition of when I'm depleted. And if you want to know which ones specifically apply to me, you can talk to my wife Afterwards, and she'll say probably specifically this number or that number. But let me give you those these really uh, 
and, and see if you associate them. The first one is you are distracted and multitask on your device when you're having fun or with friends. So you know that, that experience when you're with real people, but actually often you're on your device with other people on the internet, right? Or sometimes when you're like, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch a movie, but you end up being on your work emails at that time. And so you've got this kind of distraction pulling in different ways. This is the second one, is this, burnout is a word that you or others close to you use to describe you. So would you describe yourself or would others that care about you and are close to you say, hey, I would see maybe a little bit of burnout there. Number three is this, you have the least amount of time for those you love the most. This is a sign of depletion when sometimes we have the least amount of time for those that we love the most. Number four, you don't give yourself permission to slow down or stop. You don't allow yourself to slow down or stop. Number five, you ignore or resent people who challenge you to rest, prioritize time with God, and practice healthy living. So wise and godly voices in your life that are giving you gentle challenges and wisdom, you are resisting that. That's a sign of depletion. Number six, you are easily upset, anger quickly, get frustrated or complain about life and people. This is a sign that something needs your attention, like that warning sign on the dashboard. And number seven, you are becoming delusioned with almost everything. These are signs. Now, what I understand from my own experience, having felt some of these, if not all of these in one way or another, that this is definitely the mood of our society. As a whole, our society is not particularly mentally or emotionally healthy. Who would agree with that? That overall. In fact, one of the ways that people, uh, social researchers have defined and described this Uh, current generation, uh, the gen, uh, I think it's Gen Z, is that they are coping and hoping, that they are just trying to get through. Now, I'm not at all here to say you should just pretend that this doesn't exist and God is good and let's lift out a shout of praise. Like, I agree with that. But what I'm saying in this series is that it is the presence of God within us That is the solution to this problem. And the issue is that when we have more busyness, more stuff, more distraction, when we have more of that, we don't have space for God. And so what Revive is all about is us recognizing, is us saying, oh God, I need less of that and more of you that I'm going to need to create some space to allow the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit to change me from the inside out. That's what I need. And that takes boldness because who knows when you're tired and when you're depleted and when your head hurts and you try and pray and you try and read your Bible and you seek God, it doesn't always feel good. And it's much easier to look for a distraction rather than a connection. Let me say that again, it's much easier to look for a distraction rather than a connection. 
But what our hearts need, what our souls need, what our spirits need is for us to connect life to life, spirit to spirit, to allow Jesus to change us from the inside out. Who agrees with me this morning? And we have to be careful that in these times of depletion, that we don't allow that to become the filter of how we are seeing our world, because sometimes if we do, we can make poor decisions when we are depleted. Now, in the Bible, uh, there was a character, there was a, a person by the name of Esau. And if you've read a little bit of the Bible, you might know a bit of the story of Esau. So when Esau came out of the womb, he was described, get this, as a hairy garment. When we read the biblical account, now I don't know if it was mum or dad that called him a hairy garment. I'm probably saying that it was probably dad. And I can imagine the donkey ride on the way home from the hospital and the wife saying, don't call him a hairy garment. It'll stick. And he's like, oh, it'll be right. It's just a bit of fun. And here we are thousands of years later. It made it into the biblical record that Esau means red and hairy. And so he is a hairy garment. Now Esau, his dad, his dad's name was Isaac. His mum's name was Rebecca. Awesome name. My wife's name. She's awesome. She loves when I talk about her and how wonderful she is. Just shaking her head. I love you, honey. So, and Isaac's dad, if you know the biblical story, his name was Abraham. So Abraham, Isaac, and Esau was the firstborn. So when we think about, and when we Uh, think about a biblical genealogy, like, you know what I mean, like a succession, and, and it's quite a famous one. When we say that, we don't say Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, do we? We don't, and it's not because he was hairy. There is another reason. So Esau was a twin, and does anyone know who he was a twin with? He was a twin with Jacob. All right, so Esau was like an outdoors guy. Okay, he was hairy. He was a hunter. He was really good at that. His dad loved it. His dad loved the fact that he was a hunter. And Jacob was uh, a, more like a hanging around cooking kind of guy. He used to binge on MasterChef, mainly the Australian ones, but also some of the the UK ones. He never quite got into the US ones, but neither did anyone in the US as well. Um, he liked to cook. Mainly uh, his specialty was Middle Eastern fusion cooking. And Esau was out and about hunting, very skillful. And one time he came in and he was depleted. Now we know that the physical, the, the cause for that depletion was mainly physical. It was mainly a physical cause. And he was very hungry. No doubt he was very run down. He was very tired. And Jacob 
who was a deceiver, he was crafty, he actually used this opportunity to trick Esau to take his birthright. This is what he did. Now, was that right? We know that that wasn't right. Did God deal with Jacob? Yeah, he, he dealt with him later about this because he had a pattern of, of deception and then he himself became deceived as well uh, by others around him. And so Jacob tricked him into exchanging his inheritance, his birthright, so that we now know it as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because of his immediate need. And I want to give you a a warning and give me a warning and give us a warning that when we are depleted, when we are run down, if we don't watch out, if we are not alert, then here's what can happen. The same thing can happen to us. And that would be a tragedy. That would be a tragedy if you would exchange your inheritance for your immediate need. And people do it all the time in little ways and big ways. But this was a big way. And here's what I want to say. We can be in danger of despising our destiny because of depletion. Now, you might think that sounds like a very, very big and massive statement, but we can be in danger of despising our destiny because of depletion, those immediate needs. Because one thing that happens is when we are depleted, we can lose our vision. And when we lose our vision of what's really, really important, what matters most to God and what should matter to us, when we do that, we have short-term thinking. Who knows what I'm talking about? That when we are in, in seasons of depletion, we have this short-term thinking where what, what are we looking through? We're looking to get through the day. I'm sure all of us have had situations and circumstances where all we want to do is get through the day or we have this cycle where if I can just make it to Friday, if I can just make it to the weekend or if I can just make it to my lunch break or if I can just make it to the afternoon time where if you're like me, I just about from about three o'clock on a Thursday, I just look for chocolate. That's what I do. I just like, I've got to, if I can get to that chocolate and I'll say that I'll only eat half of the block, but I'll eat it all. If, and that's the danger when we lose our vision because of depletion. We are often looking to just distract ourselves to get through rather than actually deal and address what is going on. In the the book of Acts, there's a story of the day of Pentecost. And for us, we are a Pentecostal church. What that mainly means is that we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that we partner with to transform our planet. 
that we agree that, like Jesus says, you're going to go, you're going to be witnesses all around the world. Church is going to be planted. People, lives are going to be changed. People, bodies are going to be healed and transformed. All because of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the book of Acts, we read that the church that we are a part of, Church Capital C, was birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit. There were about 120 people that were praying together. And they were praying together day after day, not knowing what was going to happen. Then the sound of a rushing wind, like tongues of fire, began to appear over all of them. And they began to speak in tongues. And they began to declare the wonders of God in different languages. This is how the church was birthed. And so all these things are breaking out. Now, some people thought that they were drunk because it was just uh, a little bit over the top, a little bit crazy. It might have sounded like babble to some people, but in other people, it sounded like their own language. And so the apostle Peter, he gets up and he describes what is happening. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. He chooses to quote a prophet by the name of Joel who had prophesied something, let's say about 800 years before. We don't know the exact date, but let's say about 800 years. And he begins to quote the uh, prophet Joel. And here's what he says in Acts 2.17, the first part of it. He says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Have, Have you ever thought how fascinating and interesting it is? That the first way that the moving of the Holy Spirit was described as this force that is going to bring revelation and vision and inspire our speech, and inspire our picture of the world, and inspire our imagination. Have you ever thought of that? That one of the primary things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives is to inspire our vision. Have you ever been in a relationship where an important relationship where people don't have a vision of a future together? There is no amount of problem solving that can fix that relationship. And so what we understand is that if we are going to do anything significant or build anything, it must start with vision. It must start with vision. And so the Holy Spirit, it says when He comes, yes, the the fire of God, the presence of God, this power for evangelism, But how does it start? It starts with vision. And let's break this down a little bit. The three things that happen, they're prophecy, vision, and dreams. When God's Spirit begins to revive you, you get a revelation from God that begins to change the way that you speak. This is what prophecy is. It's a revelation from God that comes out of your mouth. When I'm revived in the Spirit of God and the presence of God, my speaking begins to change. The words that I utter 
begins to change. I want to say that sometimes when I'm depleted, the words that come out of my mouth are not divinely inspired words. Who would agree? Sometimes they're frustrated words. Sometimes they're negative words. Sometimes they're pessimistic words. Because I lack revelation around who God is. So when the Holy Spirit begins to fill me and overflow, I begin to declare the truth of God's Word and people around me, it begins to leave my mouth and it begins to enter other people's ears. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power, when your spirit is revived, is that you get this revelation, this vision from God and you begin to speak it. It leaves your mouth and it has power and it carries truth and it builds and it gives life. And then other people around you begin to receive the life-giving flow and the inspiration and the truth of God's Word. This is the first thing that happens. The second thing that happens is that we get vision, that the way that we see the world changes. Do you know people... Uh, have studied our thoughts and they've said that 80 to 90% of our thoughts are the same from day to day. 80 to 90% from yesterday to day. But what God does by His Spirit is He gives you a new way of thinking. You begin to see the world not just by what the problems of the world, but by the possibilities, not just by the pain of the world, but by the promise of God. And something begins to shift. You begin to get fresh vision from God. You know, it was probably maybe about, oh, definitely about 15 years ago that we had a vision, Beck and I, to plant this church. It took us probably about 11 years after that to, to come into fruition. But God has given us a vision for a church with a couple of things. One is that we would have genuine relationships, that we would gather around tables, family tables, that we would, wouldn't build fences, that we would uh, build places for people to belong and spaces for people to belong, and that we would uh, see people in our city come to faith and journey from brokenness to wholeness. This is part of the vision that God gives you. You know when you have a, a vision, even if you don't see it, it gives you strength, it gives you life, it gives you hope. And God wants to give each and every one of us vision in every area of our life. His divinely inspired vision. If you are a, a couple, a married or engaged couple, God wants to give you a vision for your life and your relationship together to have a marriage that honours God, to have a home that is a place of peace, for you to raise up your kids in the things of God, in the presence of God. God wants to inspire you because that vision and that perception becomes a powerful force to allow you to navigate the ups and downs. So I ride uh, mountain bikes. And one of the things that I've learnt is that if I can look as far ahead as possible, I can go over all kinds of bumps and drops. 
If I just focus on what's exactly in front of me, I'm going to get caught up. But if I can lift my vision to where I'm going, that we can see greater momentum and overcome greater challenges. And the same is with you. And God wants to do the same thing in your life and revive your vision. Maybe right now you're struggling in the area of your career. You're struggling in the area of uh, what am I going to do about my future, my job? Maybe you find your job draining. God wants to give you vision. Part of the vision for your job is to remind you of your purpose of why you're there. To be a witness for Jesus, to do great work, to be an example, to reach out to the people around you. God wants to revive and refresh your vision in this time. The third thing is dreams. Dreams capture our imagination. There's a famous uh, bodybuilder, actor, also politician, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Most people would have heard of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he said this, he said, when he grew up, he was poor. He didn't have anything growing up. Grew up in a a very... um, challenging life situation with poverty in the part of Europe that he was living in. But he said, the moment I became rich was when I had a dream. Not when he had wealth, but when he had a dream. Now, I believe that there is a power in humanity around dreaming and vision. And yes, I'm talking about that at a level. But here's what I'm saying is when God inspires your dream, when God puts something in your heart, when God begins to change the way that you think about yourself, when you think about your future, when you think about your life, when you think about your family, when you think about what is important to you and what is not important to you, that's begin when life begins to flow. Because if I'm just thinking about how am I going to make it through? How am I going to pay this bill, that bill, do this thing, go through the grind? I'm even exhausted thinking about it. But if I say, God, what do you want to show me about where you want to take me and I can partner with you? Man, something changes in my heart. Something changes in my spirit. Something enlivens within me. And this is what God wants to do. I want to give you five practical things about reviving our visions and dreams. The first thing that we have to do is we have to create space by casting off limiting beliefs. Do you know sometimes we don't even allow ourselves to the start line? We don't even allow ourselves to start the race because we've got these limiting beliefs. Here are some of them. I'm too busy and tired for right now, let alone the future. And I know this is a very real thing. We don't have the headspace to think about the future. But we're not talking about our own headspace. We're talking about an inspiration of the Spirit. But this is a limiting belief. The second one is, I've been disappointed in the past. I don't want to get my hopes up. The third is, I didn't even know how to hear the voice of God. I don't know if God was to speak to me about a dream or vision, I wouldn't know where to start. I don't have enough faith 
It's too late for me. I'm not ready to. I don't know how I could possibly achieve it. And there may be some truth in all of those things, but there is a greater truth in the presence of the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus. There is a, a greater force and life that is happening within us. The second thing is for those that do start this process, which I encourage you all, don't be overwhelmed when God gives you a dream beyond your capacity. It's His will is His bill. That's what we say. The whole point is that God wants to inspire our dreams in a way that is beyond us so that we will live in dependence with Him. I know that personally, I don't have the capacity to have a great marriage just on myself by myself. Next uh, month, in a, a week, a couple of weeks, Beck and I will have been married for 19 years by the grace of God. Now, it's only by the love and the, the life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit that our relationship can flourish and we can grow together. And God wants to give you a dream that is way beyond your personal capability. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a dream. It would just be a to-do list. If you could do it right now, you should probably just do that thing, but that's not a God-inspired dream or vision. Number three, every God-given dream has a guide not an instruction manual, and He will give us the steps of faith to take. God gives and inspires us with a dream. And sometimes He gives us a picture we can understand to take us to a place that we can't imagine. Is that God inspires us and then says, okay, follow me step by step. Yoke with me. Stay with me and let's walk this out together. I'm going to invite and ask you to take steps of faith, one step after another. Sometimes it's a little step, sometimes it's a big step, but it's with God and the presence of God. Who knows that some of those steps are steps of preparation and some of the steps are steps of purpose. Who's had a dream and when you start to step out, you feel like what you're doing has no connection to where God wants to take you. Who's experienced that? I definitely have. But those steps are steps of faith where God prepares you and He begins to sow seeds into your heart and into your spirit. And He begins to prepare your character, your capacity, your ability, so that then He can bring a season of acceleration and a season of promotion to see you accomplish His dream. Number four, God wants you to dream with Him in every area of your life. Nothing is too big or too small. Now, December coming up to Christmas is a time when people figure out whether they believe in car parking angels or not. When they get to Westfield, the doctrine of does God care about getting a park? And some, I know some of you, I know some of your story. Some of you enter that car park with bold faith saying, God, I, I just drive into that place that you have prepared for me in the name of Jesus. And then it, 
the, the Red Sea parts. And that car backs out and you say, yes, thank you, Jesus. And others are a little less, a little more skeptical. Obviously, I'm using that as a funny illustration. But God does care about your life. He cares about your thoughts. He cares about your pain. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your friendships. I remember when we first moved to to Brisbane, Beck and I, uh, we prayed for great friends. We had moved from Sydney. We didn't know many people. And we prayed for great friends because God cares about our friendships. He cares about the little things. We pray for our kids. We pray for and believe and ask God to reveal His plan for our house. It's not the focus of my life, but it's something that God cares about. It's something that He wants us because the Bible says that He's a good Father and that children can ask their their fathers and He's not going to withhold good things. So the things that are on your mind, bring them to God. Release them to God. And number five, prophetic revelation, vision and dreams are a gift. We need to encounter the giver for the gift. It's really important that especially in this time where we're depleted, that how we receive this, we don't need to use our brain power to come up with a life plan. We need to surrender. We need to embrace less. We need to create space and say, Holy Spirit, revive my dreams. Revive my imagination. Revive my speech. It's a gift. So the posture is not one of we have to kind of earn or create this dream or this vision, but it's a posture of receiving. Now that comes with its own challenges because when we do that, we have to exchange what we think is important to us or what we think we need and come in submission and surrender to God and say, hey, God, what do you want to say? I value your thoughts. I va- God, I value your thoughts over my own thoughts. I value your word as revealed in the Bible over my own word. I value your plan and your vision. For some of you, you've actually got a, a very, very solid vision of your life. And God says, hey, what about me? You're going to give me permission to help craft that, to change that. Others of you in in this place, you are just, you're so run down and so depleted. We're going to pray together in a minute and and you're just like, I'm just coping. I just want to get to the next day. And still others of you here, you're like, I want to embrace that full life of Jesus. My vision includes miracles. My vision includes seeing people come to faith. My vision includes my family coming to Jesus, my household coming to Jesus, 
my kids coming to Jesus. And right now, God just wants to inspire us all together and connect with the giver. We're going to take a couple of minutes to do that in this moment, just as a kickstarter, just as a taste for what I hope that you can do. You can make some space this week to say, God, inspire my dreams, inspire my vision, inspire my my words, God. Why don't you stand to your feet? Just join me in this posture of receiving, just holding out your hands and say, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, you said you wouldn't withhold any good thing from your children, especially the Holy Spirit, the greatest gift of all. Would you revive our dreams? Would you revive our dreams? Would you revive our heart? Would you revive our spirit? Right now, I want to encourage you, take something to God. Take something to God. Maybe it's in the area of friendships. Maybe it's in the area of your career. Maybe it's in the area of a key relationship. Maybe it's in the area of of something that you need. Just release that. Holy Spirit, speak. You do the best job. You do the greatest job of speaking spirit to spirit, heart to heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right now, in this moment, God is releasing people of a fear of repeating the past, a fear of happening to them what might have happened to someone they know or their parents. And God is saying, I'm giving you the capacity, the power. We're creating a new future. The old is gone. Fear, he's breaking the fear of repeating the past. Maybe even you repeating your own past right now. Lord, I pray for a boldness, a boldness. God's giving people a fresh vision for community fresh vision to open their house and their table to others to grow together fresh vision to see our church grow by reaching, inviting accepting seeing the power of the Holy Spirit transform and we thank you for that God in the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community. Thank you.